0: Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on my personal opinion, so take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. And this is an episode called Painful Comparison. And it's kind of about why it's happening and also how to stop it. So this is for anyone who is fixating on what is better about someone else and devaluing yourself. It's that flux that is our own perceived value because it can become an obsession, something that doesn't let go of your brain and it haunts you. It almost, it's like a worry that you cannot put to rest. And I am in particular focusing on the measurement that you may do while on your phone. Maybe that's with social media or comparing photos, some kind of evidence that you get obsessed with. So with that, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Searching, scrubbing. Trying desperately to find that quote answer to what I should be or whether or not I'm measuring up. Is this thing better? How much better? What is the stuff? It's like this itemization process that our brain goes through, searching for an order or like a logic to where do I fall versus others like me. Or maybe it's a quantifying of what is wrong with me and what I hate versus them. So this process can make you feel restless sleepless like it can actually get you out of your bed at night to go check even more it can also rob you of your present joys like it has stolen your ember so you might feel like you're outside of your experiences like this toxic preoccupation um, constantly still trying to decipher the answer all of it however is a perspective that with the right energy and effort can be shifted. It can be undone once it is understood and kind of dismantled, if that makes sense. Which brings me to part two, the why. So it's what I would call a quote, soothing game in that it makes us feel we are in control of something. We feel we are seeking out quote, the truth, and therefore our brain feels that it has become more safe in the thought process. So by being active, we give anxiety a reasoning. It gives it a logic source, a logical source. But when we start compulsive comparing, it's basically a blip in your oldest wiring and you've got to disengage. We have things that get our original brain wiring on a nonstop hamster wheel, similar to the loop that your brain gets stuck on when it comes to an insult or a threat to self-definition. Our brain can also swing between poles. So you might go from, I am great, smarter, better than they are, to I am nothing, I'm worthless, I have nothing going for me. Your brain also could default to stuff or things, like making you feel like because of those things, we are better somehow. And yet those things, whatever they are, They give us such fleeting value. So it's almost like just relief for a moment or two or a week or two. And then we start chasing all over again. And by things and stuff, I mean like clothing or a car or a brand or having visited a certain place, um, whatever has been given importance or a cool factor based on the media you ingest. So when we have a fear of personal lack to compare ourselves to other points, we will triangulate a reasoning for why we are okay. So it's like an instinct, an impulse that is meant to be helpful because sometimes by grabbing this stuff, that's how we feel stronger, to gather definitions that represent certain ideas. And so we grab onto them and we hold onto them as a part of ourselves. However, that stuff is really only, uh, I would call it like a veil on top of what is lacking still beneath it. So that fear of lack, that feeling of lack that is somewhere inside of us. So whatever this pursuit of stuff is, it is reinforced by whatever media we ingest, including social media, film, advertising, all culturally created speakerphones to ideals. So when we start that compulsive comparing process, what we have to do is take the wheels of our own brain and focus and kind of intercept the patterns that start to take hold. Why? Because a lot of what happens on our phone is our brain becomes very warped by The the habits we repeat and therefore the norms we create. So the sites we visit, the perspectives we we curate. Like this is a museum. We are curators to our worldview. And by repeating a certain worldview, we get very disoriented. But they become true in a felt sense. So for your for your life experience, this is basically reality. However, It is not reality in the most accurate representation of what is in our world. It's just what we feel as reality via the consistency by which we view it. So the same goes for a popular view of beauty or success. It doesn't have to be just, you know, stuff. We start to digest whatever is repeated to us as what I should be. Because it becomes the norm, becomes the average. Whether or not we know it, we are subconsciously receiving this as truth. And this is especially damaging if you are in an underrepresented or marginalized population. So for anyone who is discriminated against, this is doubly disorienting. You start to really feel it in your your own value of, you know, your shoulders will slump just because of just not seeing yourself represented and not seeing things that represent you fed back to you in popular media so now also wanted to cover some why for when it is just about like just the 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 damage that comes from social media use that becomes obsessive and doesn't It's not in your control anymore. Like you start to notice that it's not helping you. It's not making you feel good and yet you're still doing it. Whatever apps we are using are also having a very big impact on our behavior and very much controlling our (laughs) brain's chemicals and how they flow through our tiny little alleyways of happy, sad, confident, confused. All of those feelings are being kind of triggered by different things that we receive in the form of little pixels of light. So I would say a lot of what is occurring for a lot of people in terms of compulsive self-comparison has a lot to do with the just simple design of apps, how they reward you, how they make you interact with them, how they reinforce continuing to interact with them. And that is because social media sites provide constant rewards to users. So a huge part of social media is developing and maintaining one's identity and reputation. And social media sites are kind of reward creators for users. So they give us gratification. They give us kind of a a moment, a gush, a chemical gush of a feeling of satisfaction. And that becomes our goal, to kind of chase that feeling. And that is similar to how addictions work. So it's kind of a similar... It is exactly the same process happening in your brain. So with anything... What, what they would make or what they would describe as a, quote, disorder is the continued use of something or the continued um, rep- repetition of something despite it having negative consequences. So if you are obsessed with measuring yourself on Instagram versus others, the stronger this takes hold and the worse you feel, the more one might describe it as a problem behavior um, because if you're unable to stop it, it's controlling you. So when, when it comes to problematic social media use, you are much more susceptible if you are a teenager because already you have a limited ability to self-regulate. Um, teenagers also suffer more FOMO and nomophobia, which is the fear of being detached from phone connectivity. Also, if you are under lots of other kinds of stress, you are more susceptible to kind of this obsessive social media use because our ability to self-regulate and also step back from that impulse to control is compromised. So you might notice that this measuring habit kind of um, peaks up when you are, let's say, experiencing work stress, you're exhausted, or maybe you're having hormonal fluctuations um, because emotional stability And um, things like low self-esteem make us more vulnerable to problematic social media use. Depression and anxiety are also linked to excessive social media use, but it's not clear whether this is a cause of it or a result of it. I think it's both. Um, But relationship conflicts and also a feeling of disconnectedness is also a strong predictor of having kind of obsessive social media use. So I just want you to recognize that social media is meta. It is a medium about itself. We are constantly aware of what others will think when we share to it. So it is not, in fact, a true representation of ourselves. It is a self that is socially aware, a self that is tinting ourself per the expectations of others. And this is key in just the simple fact that we are altering, no matter who we are, a self for public consumption. And that makes us all into actors. So how we act and what we are meant to act as is not decided by us. It's decided by the quote hive mind of popularity. And all of this stuff happens below consciousness for the most part. Like we, we may be aware of it, but then we're still kind of being controlled by it or or acting according to the rules. So I just want you to look at the motive for what it is. It's not an expression of self. It's an altering of self and a silencing of part of this self, And that makes it slightly wrong in just the motive. You know, we're, we're altering who we are as a way to gain popular approval. And so that in itself is making us feel like that is what we should always do. So my goal in telling you that is so you can just put this in particular, this projection in the right box, have it work for you in your life, but do not have it work you like use it for what it's good for, but very clearly keep your awareness on how it operates so that it does not hurt you and melt your mind and your identity because you can start acting like a puppet for the things that you're supposed to do. It's like everything becomes kind of this like regurgitation of systems, you know, and aside from really looking at that process as it's happening We can also change our personal goal in that process, which weakens its power slightly. So we can bring in our own value system, which will alter the power of things that we are fixated on. And lastly, we can also reach some grounding when we can contextualize the individual reasons we are feeling the way we are about ourselves versus this other ideal. So we can kind of give those feelings some logic And with that, they'll lose a little bit of their sting. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. Okay, the first tool is called one cent presence. So another name for this is shop for distance. So when you start compulsive comparing, it's kind of like a blip in your wiring and you've got to disengage. And if you can't do that, shop for distance distance. I want you to basically buy little one cent tiny moments of presence. And what do I mean by tiny one cent moments of presence? Right now, I want you to look at something around you, anything, just um, examine closely the texture, the pattern. Maybe it's a vivid color. If you're around anything that is natural, made in nature, just look at that object and really focus on just the tiny grains of whatever that thing looks like. Um, And alternately, you can examine a very uh, organic sound around you in the environment right now. So what I want you to do in this exercise is just scan for that millisecond of silence when your brain shuts the fuck up. It's like this moment, split-second moment of presence, of just being in the present moment without the narrative flowing through your brain. So the more of those that you can have in the face of brain chatter, the more you weaken the thought process from controlling your course of actions. Like the more you can stop it from piloting your body and making, you know, you drive yourself more and more crazy. So after a while of practicing one cent moment here, another one cent moment here, another one cent moment here in the face of my fucking thoughts are driving me crazy and I'm going obsessing again if if you can keep doing those little moments of disengagement something cool starts to happen you will start to notice that you are concretely changing it's like this this long standing personality trait is starting to unclench and alter very slowly you'll start to see like i'm getting a little bit more spaciousness in this need to go through this routine that i've always done so that's what happens is your brain starts to change. It's pretty magical. It starts so imperceptibly, but the more you can foster just tiny little moments like this, instead of going through the automatic response, the more you can choose how you actually want to behave physically. Even if your brain is telling you to do a bunch of terrible shit, it's like you can actually have a moment where you're like, I am not going to respond to that. You have autonomy versus thoughts. All right, the next tool, escape the bubble. So this is a tool for fostering a different perspective. And this is how we start to loosen the hold of our brain's need to compare and obsess about what we have and we don't have. So we have to look for others around us with healthier viewpoints than ours. And we basically try on their brain for size, try on their value system and start to Emulate what they do and think in a way that they do. So, as well as that, you can actually try unplugging yourself from the bubble you are in culturally, socially, and actually visit a totally different place. Maybe that's a country, maybe that's just an area of your city, somewhere that is removed from this particular viewpoint. And when you can get out of your own particular worldview just by traveling somewhere, it becomes clear how different the value system is. Like you can see outside of like all of the conditioning you have for just a, a moment and you can see like, Whoa, this is so, you know, insulated and small. It's such a construction, you know, that I'm trapped inside for the most of the time. And when we can get out of one of those bubbles, just to see what the world is like outside of this repeated, you know, Worldview that we've created for ourselves, we can then foster those perspectives moving forward. So, a great person to visit is somebody that is an older generation than you, um, or somebody that is, that you would say is like confident and peaceful and comfortable in their life. Like, we kind of can pick these role models for ourselves in different areas of our life. All right, the next tool, conceptualize. So, one thing that is really helpful in any change we want to make in our lives is I think it's great to do it in a journal, but really conceptualize the thing that is happening to you and see it for what it is. Like take it apart from like a mechanics perspective. So see that this is an externally created condition that can be altered by you working on it. So I would say title of this journal entry I do not want to be controlled. I do not want to have these feelings triggered in my body. I do not want to be be made to feel insecure. I do not want to be made to feel less than. I do not want to be bound and obsessed with um, external whatever signifiers. I don't want to have to make that my job to constantly keep up with whatever blank thing is making me feel like I need to do. So just look at the thing that's causing you suffering as a thing you want to change. That's it. All right, the next tool, grow above that smallness. So when we start to itemize and get into that energy of comparison, we immediately shrink ourselves. It's a contraction. It is not powerful. It is not beautiful, charismatic, guiding, supreme, luxurious, limitless, stunning. It is kind of a micro focus, like a drug addict, like looking for tiny specks of cocaine on the coffee table. So like hunched over, contracted, you know, hallucinating that you see more specks. So when you can, when you get into that obsessive energy, I just want you to picture like you in that moment, picture yourself like hunched and micro focused and reverse your actual posture. Think of yourself reversing your energy and think about being expansive and greater than. Like arch your back, come into kind of a feeling of individuality, uh, limitlessness, and I am bigger, so much bigger than this thing, than this feeling, this, than this object, this rule, whatever thing I'm th- I'm measuring myself against in the energy of expansiveness, that is where your beauty and your attractiveness lies. That is where your greatest self lies. And does this tool is really just me asking you when you're in that measuring state to notice it as that kind of retracted, hunched, small feeling and really step back from it and look up and see yourself as bigger, more airy, more loud, a booming voice of energy, a bigger smile. Think of your eyes twinkling. So this is just really a, an energetic shift to kind of remember your sparkle. What makes you proud to be you? That energy is where it's at. That is where you can see reality. You can see what needs to be done and you can know what makes you great. So if you contract, you're making yourself small and less than. All right. Next tool is called the awareness of choice or that focus is choice. So we, we have a choice on on what we are going to focus on. It's just like setting an intention for the day. We can choose to bring forth joy and fun. And the same goes for your filter on yourself. So if you are struggling with comparison in terms of like looks, I want to offer you this bias setter, just like you're setting an intention for what you're going to scan in your day. Like I choose to bring forth fun in my day. Today, maybe you're going to say, I choose to see my own beauty. So whenever you're getting like an instinct that makes you feel small and less than choose the opposite of that. So if you're choosing, if you're struggling with feeling like a failure career wise or something like that, say, I choose to see my own merits or I choose to see my successes. So this is a, a focus, like a, um, a thing you're going to scrub for in reality that you are curating constantly in your personal prayers. So I do a lot of this at like the end of a yoga routine, which is when my frequency, my brain is kind of like aligned, you know, like everything's quiet enough inside. So this is when my energy is focused. When I have that window of awareness, I invite you to do it when you wake up in the morning or whenever, really just do it right now. But it's just, a, a gentle, Intention that allows you to actually see more of it in reality. All right, the next tool it's called big swinging baskets. So imagine we're all wearing giant swinging baskets and they have eggs in them and they are attached to our bellies and maybe they're, you know, made out of lycra or something so it's softer so it's easier to carry them around. Anyway, we're swinging our baskets of eggs uh, around and We're taking some eggs out and we're placing them in other things, but we, we must hold on to as many of them as we can, just as ours, as ours alone to always have. So when we're placing things in other baskets, we're giving those things importance in our value system. And if we give away too many, we become weightless and we lose our grounding. And also if we give away too many, that thing can basically run away with our essence So for example, with a person, like if you give too many eggs to one, to another person and let them have power over your identity, if that person ends their relationship with you, you're going to evaporate with it. It's going to take down so much of what you define as good about yourself. So we give a lot of these eggs to other things. We give them to like a brand of clothing or to a hobby. Um, And a lot of people give away tons and tons and tons of eggs to this concept of wealth this idea of being rich. And I think that's because it is one of the easiest things to feel strengthened by, but it's not meaningful and it does not make you a better person. And it doesn't make, doesn't make you feel more worthy in who you are. It just keeps us staving off that feeling of not enough because it's something we can constantly look to as like, but I have all this power, but I have all this ability, but people are nice to me in these spheres. But so if you start, the main reason I'm bringing up all of these external things is if you start to feel like this one thing is running away with you, I want you to ask yourself, how can I bring more eggs back into my own basket? Meaning how can I return and double down on investments on, in my origin, my soul, my source? Like how can I invest in my self-definition and double down on just my attention to, and by that I mean care, my care for the things that define me at my core. So you might not even know what those things are. So I invite you to reflect on like what brought you joy as a child? Like what was, what were kind of the formative experiences that made you feel lost in play? What are the kind of holy stages for your, your foundation as a person? These are where we feel grounded. And these are these like roots that make us recall our value systems in many ways and give us some history, something greater than ourselves. And a lot of those things don't get a lot of credit, I think, for, for us in the way we write our adult lives. So I invite you to return to your origin and, and take some of your egg backs, eggs back from other external things and think like, how can I cultivate a little bit of focus and storytelling and revisiting of these childhood dreams, these childhood fantasies, uh, adventures, um, moments of splendor. For me, that was climbing trees, often in the rain, uh, being at my grandparents' house doing funny weird voices being silly um, all of those moments like playing with other kids like those the, we take those moments for granted but they are magical and they very much write our our personality in in some ways just the moments that we are lost in fantasy and play and I can't probably climb. The biggest trees now, but I can think of that quality of feeling and I can ask myself, how do I foster that today? How do I get close to that feeling today? What's something that will bring me back to that, um, that state once more. And when you can give yourself those moments of feeling or these recollections in the face of feeling worthless or feeling like we don't have enough, we aren't enough, it's like we're reinvesting eggs in our own basket and we make this idea of me, myself, alone, no matter what anyone else thinks, important. And, and now I just want you to imagine meeting someone like that. You meet a new friend and you see that they think of those things about themselves as important. They spend time investing in these little trivial, quote unquote, moments of play that are just special to them they celebrate origin points in their life. Or let's say, you know, they play music and they write songs and they draw comics, whatever the thing is that brings them this old childhood joy. And I don't know about you, but I meet that person and I'm really curious. I'm really interested and I'm attracted. I think, how can I be more like them? It inspires this feeling of envy in me to invest in myself more to be like, I have, I have passions. How can I be more interested in my passions? So it's like, this is, is almost like, you know, I would say something that a lot of whatever you want to call it influencers or famous people or whoever it is that w- we happen to be following at a time. A lot of these people are embodying, bodying that kind of energy or, or, project, portraying it. And I think that's what attracts us is we're like, oh, they have a secret. They know something about themselves and their core. That's very valuable. How do I get that thing? And we don't get it from them. We get it from ourselves, but we really have to just decide, I want to look inward. I want to find something that brings forth a passion in me. And, uh, I will say, I think authenticity is the most attractive thing in the world. It is the most just magnetic, powerful thing in the world. So another reason to do it. All right. The next tool is called, this is your brain on ego. So I don't know if you saw the ad in the eighties. Um, you've probably seen it on a medley of old commercials at some point in time, but it was an ad that was showing an egg being fried in a pan. And it was to represent your brain being fried by chemicals inside drugs. So I'm taking a, a different spin on that, and instead, it's about just looking how ego works, looking at how an ego works in just your identity. So, because the ego is kind of like the, the operating system of your brain, and how like you survive and make rules for how the world works, et cetera, it, it's its goal is to defend against threat. But at its core, that logic is based on a belief that we can be perfect if we try hard enough that is kind of the like the code operating inside of the ego the ego does not want to know that we are mortal the ego believes we are we can be perfect we can be flawless if we just try hard enough so that is just the most basic structure of thought it's the perfect versus the imperfect it's like a broken binary processing system and in reality we are all flawed and we are mortal And the definition of beauty is the variation, the color, the range, the depth, the extraordinary, not the flatness of binary, you know? So I I think to dissect this somehow, just this idea of like, what is happening in my brain? Like, what is this microscope? The ego defender is looking for perfection. It's resisting knowing that we are fallible and possibly less than perfect. Like your brain's like, no, 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 no. But maybe I am perfect. But but, but maybe if I look at it in this way, maybe I am actually perfect. Well, maybe if I can just make this list in a different way, I'm actually perfect. I'm, and I'm perfecter than this other person. Like that's the kind of energy behind it, behind the comparison. So when you start to get into that loop of constant comparison where your ego is looking for that safety, for that grounding of like, where do I rank? Where do I rank? Where is perfect? How close am I to that bar of perfect? I just want you to stop and step back and see this process for what it is. It's my brain trying desperately to confirm that I am not mortal. My brain is refusing to accept that I am possibly not perfect because the ego by default puts perfection at the highest level. And in that feeling of like, but I don't really want to accept that I'm not perfect because that will make me feel sad. I'm not saying to feel sad because you're imperfect. I'm saying imperfection is beauty. That is the definition of the ideal. It is not to be the same. It is not to be uh, con- contort yourself to be like blank. Your variation and your organic truth as a person is what makes you the most valuable. We just have to really change our frame around what our actual ideals are. We have to really hack our our brain's operating system in many ways and see like, this is not necessarily what I actually want. That's not actually good. Like the value system of good is not accurate in how my brain energy is working right now. So I'm not saying it's not great to strive. I'm just saying step back from this flexed muscle because it blinds you to your actual beauty. It's looking for rules. It cannot see because it is hyper-focusing and rigid and its definitions are bunk. So another way to frame this is you can think about when you were three or four years old, how unevolved your idea of beauty was. Just think back, like how simplified was my view of like, who is beautiful or who is, I mean, it doesn't even have to, I'm fixated on beauty, but like, it could be like success. How simplified and kind of uh, ignorant was your childhood self's view of what success looks like or what beauty looks like? Like you have the same limits to awareness when you get into that computer zone of, Uh, of grasping for rules. Like when your brain gets into that hyper-focusing, like, is it this, is it this? That's the same exact thing that's happening. You're becoming, you're reverting to a child. I hope that made sense. That got super (laughs) theory-based. Um, but I hope this helps somewhat. I mean, it's something that a lot of people uh, fall victim to and you're not alone. It's like, I think it's exacerbated so much by social media and just the way that, We interact and share things about ourselves and the mediums that those, um, the rules of those mediums and the norms of those mediums. So it's just really about like recognizing that as a huge important factor in what is happening in your brain and your body and your own view of yourself. It's like we can't, it's like we get a set of goggles stuck to our faces and we can't take them off. So this is a step in that direction of removing them for hopefully a while. So, before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors. I have a new monthly sponsor, Eric. Thank you so very much. And a new donation from Maggie. Thank you so very much. And a new Patreon, Katie. Thank you so much. Welcome. And a lovely donation from Khan or Kane. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. And. A lovely, amazing donation from Amy, a huge donation from you. Thank you so very much. Anyone who has the means, donations really help out my show. And if not, a review on iTunes is also greatly appreciated. Thank you so very much for all of your support. It means a lot. And in closing, it's okay to not be on all the time, it's okay to not be polished and, you know, on camera all the time. There's more depth than what you see on the screens of your life. There's more meaning for you tied to your origins, the places that are meaningful to you, the experiences you've had. All of that can be an amazing resource if you start to get into this mental state. And with regards to these, what I'm calling turning toward your origin, like you never know what those temples of your souls will be. Like at the time you've probably taken them for granted because you're, you're just playing, but you're in a state of joy. You're in a state of life's, you know, reverie and you'll wish you could return there kind of spiritually for the rest of your life. But just that feeling of being like, you know, selfless is like an arrow that's pointing. It's it's showing you to the sacred site you must create inside of yourself and this is kind of like your holy expression. It's where you become limitless, expansive, and bigger than all that tiny stuff. You start to float above it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. All this the comparisons and the ranking and like the the objects you buy. So when we are kids, we can feel this energy, this limitlessness. And then we grow up and things become about doing and busying and making sure I have all the things, the quantifiers, checking all the boxes. So if you, if you're recognizing, you know, all of these boxes are consuming all of my time and my life and my energy, and my brain is getting away with me, you have to make a choice to foster the other energy and, and that presence, that soul, that limit, lessness, And the more you do that, the more you regain it. It's like an inner compass and it's so much bigger. It's more fun. It's happier. And I would say just, if you notice, like this device I hold in my hand is not making me happier. Just take a break from it a little while and delete an app or two and just see how you regain your understanding of the world. Just the tiniest bit. It's kind of like unplugging from the matrix or two matrices. Like we forget that, that it's happening. And it can very much take over our patterns of thinking. So I wanted to leave you with a visualization for expansiveness. So imagine your brain and maybe it's swirling with a cloud of chatter, but now that's being misted lightly and there's just the chatter is falling to the ground and your energy is expanding rapidly. Your center is becoming stronger and the room is being filled with your bright white light. And your body is growing lighter and brighter and almost floating. Your energy is growing, and you are becoming just a beam of light and joy and limitlessness. And now you will uplift everyone you are near. Smile.